Cast. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. Today's guest, Jeremy Kubitschek, is an outlier in the leadership world. He is an entrepreneur, a corporate thought leader, an acclaimed speaker, and author of several books, including the national bestseller, Making Your Leadership Come Alive. As the executive chairman of Giant, a technology company focused on unlocking the potential of people, teams, and organizations, Jeremy is passionate about providing coaches and leaders with the tools and certifications they need to increase the performance of individuals and teams. Join me in welcoming Jeremy Kubitschek to the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Jeremy, thanks for being with us today. Earl, so good to be with you. Uh, excited about our conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I've uh, done a lot of due diligence, watch a lot of the videos that you have out there on YouTube. And folks, uh, I highly suggest just going on YouTube and looking up uh, Jeremy Kubitschek and checking out those videos. I'll probably link to a couple of them in the show notes there because you've got some very powerful stuff that you've shared with folks over the years. But before we get into some of those things, I really want to know and start you out where I start all of my guests. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that mean to you? I, I love the, the phrase, actually. I think it's really, really strong. And so I commend you on on that brand, Earl. Um, when I th- when I think of responsible leadership, I actually think of the words mutual responsibility. And I think of the terms and the concepts of a gardener. Uh, so a gardener inside a greenhouse, let's just use that metaphor. Um, inside a greenhouse, they are growing plants. And so the question I always have is, whose responsibility is it for that plant to grow? And it's the mutual responsibility. The plant wants to grow and the gardener wants to grow. So an intentional gardener is someone who is intentionally and responsibly helping other people grow. That's my thought. No, I love that. I mean, that's, that is so true. I mean, you know, my, my background being in the Marine Corps, that, that is one of the things that is kind of a tenant of, of Marine Corps leadership is, is that shared responsibility. Like you said, everybody mm-hmm. has a role to play, no matter how small it may be. Um, so, so I really like that. I like that a lot. Now, I guess in the, the question always becomes, how do you get all parties involved to really connect to that shared responsibility? Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to the forum that you're in. Is it an employee-employer? Is it a team leader to a, an employee, you know, a teammate? Uh, or is it a father to a son? You know, and so it's, it's difficult based on the relational dynamics. Uh, but in the traditional setting, there is an employee agreement, an employee-employer contract, if you will, that basically says, hey, we've chosen you. We think you're going to be the best person for this position. We assume that you want 
to do this job. So you're responsible to do that job well. We're going to pay you for that, right? So this is an exchange in payment. The problem is, is that a lot of times the expectations don't get shared readily and the expectations aren't very clear. So um, we always ask people um, in, in uh, some tools in performance diagnostic, uh, is it us? Did we train you well? Did we give you the right support and challenge? And then on your side, do you have the head, the, the head knowledge, the IQ, and do you have the heart and the character to do the job right? So again, back to that mutual responsibility. But there are so many uh, opportunities for that to go wrong, and it usually does in most cases. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's the one thing that that I run into on, on quite a frequent basis is uh, a lot of times people rely on on that positional leadership, right? You've been made manager, you've been made CEO, you've been made department head. Um, and they feel like because of that, that, that people should just want to follow them because they have a title. And, and that's not necessarily true, right? You have to still generate some followership to become a true responsible leader, right? A hundred percent. And we, I've got a book called the 100X uh, Leader. And the 100X Leader is the idea of number one, 100 stands for how healthy are you? And then X means multiplication. It means giving yourself away. So we use the Sherpa metaphor on Mount Everest. And it's really fascinating. Um, I, I interviewed Sherpas on Mount Everest. There was actually uh, Wi-Fi on the mountains. It was crazy. And so I'm literally doing Zoom calls with Sherpa. And as I spent time with them, uh, I asked them a really, really dumb question. Um, I asked them, I said, all right, guys, say, so uh, how many times, and there was three of them, uh, how many times have you guys summited, you know, made it to the top? And they looked at each other and kind of laughed and smiled. And, and he goes, no, that's not a question that we comprehend or understand. I'm like, really? Like, how many times have you made it to the top? And he goes, no, no, I get your question. But he said, it's not about how many times I made it to the top, but it's, but it's how many times we helped others get to the top. Mm. And he goes, I've helped 11 people summit. Another one is like, I've helped seven people summit. I've helped 20 people summit. So in their, in their own mind, it wasn't about climbership. It was about being a Sherpa, about a leader. And a leader is someone who performs and helps others perform. But if you're fixated on performance, then you're really a climber. You're not a leader. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. Back in uh, episode 147, I interviewed a lady named Helen Yu, and uh, her story was actually about uh, climbing uh, climbing Mount Everest. Um, mm -hmm. and, and she shared some of those similar thoughts there, and, and not only with the Sherpas, but with, uh, with the people trying to climb, uh, trying to reach the summit. And uh, you know, she's told this really great story about so quick backstory for you. Uh, the reason she wanted to climb Mount Everest is on her grandmother's deathbed. Uh, she had told her to uh, basically reach the highest mountain. And Helen took that literally and set a goal to climb Mount Everest as, mm -hmm. as the highest mountain. Well, she tells a story about how she really wanted to document it because this was kind of her life's goal. And she bought this really nice, fancy camera. And then on the first day, she accidentally dropped her camera on a rock and some mechanism broke and her camera was down. But she had uh, this really nice lens that she had bought that was still intact. And it just so happened some of the other climbers had similar cameras. So 
they started using her lens and taking pictures and sharing them with her and letting her put her SD card in. And so it was this shared, you know, we, we all know that there's not that many of us that are actually going to make it to the top, but if we all work together, we're going to get a few of us there and they're right. going to be able to come back and, and share that. And, and we're all going to have made it because we helped each other. And so I love that. And, and that's a hard thing to get folks kind of in quote unquote corporate America to comprehend because there's this thrive to want to be the person, right? So how do you kind of overcome mm-hmm. that, that ego, if you will? Yeah. So I mean, the, the idea is it's a mindset. You first have to understand. And so we talked about the Sherpa mindset to go the Sherpa that they're there, they're hired by a guide and the mountain guide basically says, all right, I'm going to take you up and we're going to test you. And you know, you, you, you go to Mount Everest on the end of March and you climb it in mid May. So you're there quite a while to acclimate and, and, you know, test you and climb and, and so on and so forth. So, the idea of the Sherpa, and then I'll bring it back to leadership, but the idea of the Sherpa, then the mentality is my job is to safely get you to the top or to call you if you can't make it to the top. And it's almost getting you to the same the level. Well, the, the level of intentionality of these Sherpa is so incredible. They have five, four to five people they're responsible for each Sherpa. And they, they've learned how to understand and read people intuitively. They know how, what motivates one person may not motivate the other person. And so they don't use the same style for everyone. They, I would call it the platinum rule, doing to others as they would want done to themselves. So the idea is learning and knowing their people is a key component to get them to the next level. So translate that if you're a team leader, if you're anyone leading people or a parent, even with your kids, it's the idea that every single person needs something different. They need different motivation. They need a different pat on the back, a different look, a different style based on their wiring and their personality. And that is a key component to know other people to lead them well. But it has to start with your own mentality that you have to think like a Sherpa. You have to think my responsibility is not just to climb, but to help people climb. And you know, the responsibility of, of you is to be healthy. They, no, no one wants, I was joking, he said, no one wants to follow an asthmatic Sherpa of the mountain. No one wants to follow the Sherpa that can barely breathe or smoking like a chimney. They want to they wanna follow the healthiest person. And that ultimately is, is what we need more of in this world. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I love one of the points that you made there about the one of the Sherpa's responsibility is kind of the culling, if you will, because I think that is, is a key component to responsible leadership, too, is helping people understand that there are limitations to your abilities and being able to have that conversation and help guide and coach people to realize, you know, not everybody's meant to climb Mount Everest. Not everybody's meant to be a mm-hmm. CEO. Not everybody's meant to be... Uh, you know, an entrepreneur themselves. Some people are there to help. Some people are there to support. And, and being able to help people figure that out is a very fundamental piece of leadership as well, right? Yeah, 100%. We have a tool uh, called the Support Challenge Matrix, and it's a power tool we use. We, we believe at Giant, we have, um, we use kind of 21st century learning that uh, it's micro learning. You have to learn through visual tool, through common language, but it needs to be very, very fast. So you have to learn a nugget and then you have to teach it. When you teach it, you learn. So one of the tools I'll teach real quick to, to all of you who are listening 
It's called the support challenge matrix. And the idea is there's two matrices, X and a Y quadrant, but it, um, it basically has high support, low support, high challenge, low challenge. And the concept is the best leaders in the world bring high support and high challenge. And when you do that really well, what that means uh, in the Sherpa analogy is, hey, uh, here, I'm for you. Uh, I've, I've given you rope and I want to make sure you have enough food. And here's all you need to climb the mountain. And then challenge is I'm going to learn what motivates you to push you to get you to that next level until we reach a point where I'm like, you're done. You've already, you've camp three is going to be your summit. You're not ready to go to the top. You would endanger yourself and the other people. So that's, that's how they view it on the mountain. We'll take that into the workforce. The idea is what does support look like means what do people need to do their job? Well, uh, well, emotionally you need to know I'm for you. I'm going to provide time. I'm going to give you vision. I'm going to share expectation. I'm also going to equip you. Uh, here's the tools you need to do your job. Here's your standard, blah, 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 whatever that is. Challenge then comes with, we've agreed that we're going to go after these objectives, these initiatives, and you've agreed to it. So no excuses. Let's get it done. And you, you think about the people in your life that have been unbelievably for you, but they pushed you to the highest levels. Those are the typical people that you that garner the most respect. So we call them liberating leaders. So a liberator is someone who brings, it's a 100x leader, they bring high support and high challenge. The problem is that historically, most of us have been around people who have brought high challenge but no support. Or we've had those people in our life, and we, those are, that's really domination. Or we've had people that are high support and no challenge, which is hinting, they hope you do well. It's, it's enabling or protecting, if you will. So you've got protecting on one end, you've got domination on the other end, and you've got this ultimate goal of liberating, meaning I'm going to fight for your highest possible good to help you become the person you want to become. Right. And it, so it's like that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, if you believe it, you can achieve it, which, you know, is all supposed to be nice and about mental status. But it's really if you believe it enough that you're willing to go out and put in the hard work, time and effort and it's something that you are realistically equipped for, then you can achieve it, right? Um, uh, possibly. I mean, uh, that's not what I'm saying is mutual responsibility. A responsible leader is focused on fighting for the highest possible good of their people. Right. It's actually getting them to the next level. Like, and, and fighting for them and being responsible means that I'm going to uh, support you first, then I'm going to challenge. But we have a culture right now that is, uh, we, we've grown up, all of us, and you were in the Marine Corps, so you know exactly the culture of high challenge and maybe support or maybe not, depending on who you're with, right? Right. So, um, you, and so that's a, that's a style, if you will, of, of leadership. Well, most of us have experienced a lot of challenge. We've had domination in our life. But we're in, we're in a cultural shift to challenge is bad, so therefore, it's high support with very low challenge. So there's a lot of enabling. There's a lot of entitlement. There's a lot of protection going on right now. Well, that's not, a, to me, that's not what responsibility is. Uh, responsibility is, is both. It's high support and it's high challenge together. And I think that that's where the, I think that's what Sherpa uh, do really well. I think that's what the best leaders do really well. 
So, which means that I have to really understand you, spend time with you, know you, understand what your goals are in life. And uh, the problem with a lot of leaders, they don't know how to do that. They've, they've not experienced it themselves and or they don't want to take the time because they feel like it's a waste of time because they got to make the donuts and this is not helping us make the donuts. But I would say that a responsible leader actually takes time, shares the vision and understands and knows the people, the person they're leading and develops them. And, and it's almost like when you turn the pilot light on inside someone, you don't have to light it all the time, but you have to take the time to know the person to lead them. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. No, I, I agree with you on that. And again, because I really want to stress this because, you know, I've ran into this and I'm sure you probably ran into this on a, on a few uh, occasions through your career is, is you, you mentioned that, that piece about the, the, uh, you know, maybe you're only making it to, to camp three this time or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But we have a hard time telling people that you talk about that enabling, right? And that's kind of where I was going with that. You know, if you believe it, you can achieve it kind of thing versus you got to put into work. Oh right? yeah. 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 I see. Yeah. It's, yep. it's you know, not every, again, not everybody's cut out to be the CEO. Not everybody's cut out for that next step in the promotion ladder, wherever it is. But too many times leaders have a hard time having that conversation and telling the person, Hey, you're not ready to take that next step yet. And maybe there's nepotism that kicks in. Maybe there's a bunch of different factors that kick in. But they go ahead and promote them anyways. And then they struggle. And because they're not ready to be at that level, like you said, they put themselves in danger by being a bad leader. And they put the people below them in danger because now they're under bad leadership. And and that is a critical conversation that you really have to have. It's like, look, I'm not saying you're never going to be there. You're just not ready to be there now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it comes comes down to the, the trust level that the leader has built with the with the team and if people watch and they go you know what i don't like uh earl's decision but you know i trust him he's he's a good guy he's for us he's he's proven himself over and over again the the, it's amazing though culturally what happens when you know a, a leader has a bad reputation or has a character flaw or has made one decision and then they get a reputation. That reputation gets put on that person, and you know a lot of times they validate that reputation. But it's it's really really important to be consistent. It's really to be important to create high support culture, and then bring high challenge. That's when respect occurs. And when you have respect and you have the trust of the people, you can you can do a lot. People just, and and then other people will back you. Hey, I know you don't like it, but trust me, Earl is awesome. He has been great. This has happened before. He's got you. Don't worry. Head, keep your head down. Stay focused. That kind of, so your team actually backs you because they believe in you as a leader. And uh, it's just amazing how, how much, how many stories and how much on a daily basis uh, with people have to work for you, you're going to get their compliance. You're not going to get their full engagement. But if people want to work for you, they'll 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 do they'll move mountains, and, and they'll support you. To, you know, to those around you. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Again, I, I love the way you put that. And uh, you know, there's a Air Force Colonel John Boyd. He he famously said he goes, 
If somebody demands your loyalty, give them your integrity. If somebody demands your integrity, give them your loyalty. Um, and it is kind of the same thing that you said there, right? Because if people just want blind loyalty, they're going to ask you to compromise your integrity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if people want your integrity, then there's somebody you want to be loyal to because they want you to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a, a key piece there, too. And I like that, you know, again, the want to follow. Because I always you know, say is, is leadership is not a position that somebody can bestow from on high. You have to earn them. People have to want to follow you before you can actually call yourself a leader. And, uh, you know, how, how can leaders, you know, get there, right? I mean, I, I know there's no one magic bullet, uh, but you do a lot of work in, in what you uh, term as creating invincible teams and how to coach invincible teams. So how does that factor in and how can you create those invincible teams through this method? Yeah, well, it it's the importance of the team leader. Uh, the team leader has to buy in first. And the way that the team leader buys in is they have to look in a mirror and they have to see what it's like to be on the other side of themselves. And it's really hard. I mean, I did this, uh, I've done this several times as a leader. I've had to look at, 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 at a mirror and like, oh my goodness, I do that, don't I? I drive people crazy with too many ideas. I uh, can exaggerate at times. I dot, dot, dot. So I had to then create a culture in myself to go, you know what, I'm for myself. I bring high support and I bring high challenge on myself. And I realize these are my tendencies and I know my patterns, um, but ultimately I know, I want them to know my intent. So I guess my point is if people know that you're willing to work on yourself, then they're going to be open to be worked on themselves. But if, if they see that you're not willing to do something, but you're asking them to do something, that's called hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is what kills a lot of trust in leadership teams. And so that's a, that's a, a start. You have to want to be the best Sherpa you can be. You have to be the healthiest person in the room. If, you're, if your team is more healthy than the team leader, then we've got problems. No, and again, I love that the, you know, the first two shields of the phalanx are, are right in line with that. You know, it's you're always on display and introspection and improvement, and uh, I, I love that there because I think that's the one thing that people fail to to do a lot is is realize that people are always watching, especially if you are already in that leadership role. People are always watching you, and they're looking for that consistency. They're looking for your words to match uh, your actions, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately what, what I have done. I've just basically seen this. I lived in Russia for a few years and uh, the early 90s, right after the fall of the Soviet Union. And I watched 70 years of communism and what it did to the people and how it grayed people out. It, it caused them to be abdicators. And it just kind of created a culture of apathy. And um, it, was, it was just amazing to watch it. And a lot of our tools came from that. And so what I've been doing is I've been creating tools, um, visual tools and a common language um, and been teaching team leaders and leaders of companies on how to employ this and actually how to drive uh, real growth inside their organization by empowering their team leaders. Because you think about uh, a company is made up of teams uh, teams are like a flywheel. They're either spinning or they're not. And teams are interrelated. One team is needs this other team. Uh, marketing needs engineering. Uh, engineering needs operations. Operations needs dot, dot, dot. Every one of these teams 
is either moving or not, and it's all based on the team leader. If the team leader is not healthy, then that team won't be functioning at the right level. So ultimately, that's what we spend our time doing is creating tools to help those team leaders become the most effective they can be. So wait a minute, you mean siloing isn't healthy? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it, it, siloing is really interesting. Uh, if there's some teams that you're like, hey, I, we just need you to make the donuts, make the donuts really well. Uh, and so but the, the problem is, is that most people haven't broken down the importance of each team and they've not really understood uh, how it all works. Like, hey, do you, do you guys realize we need them to be at their best because if when they're at their best, they produce X to us, which then we produce Y to this other team who produces Z to this other team, right? So it's that functionality, and I don't think there's been enough focus. I think uh, there's still the leadership jargon that is dropped into uh, cultures of this general expectation, but really at the end of the day, most team leaders don't really know how to lead other people. They don't know how to create engagement. They just do what they've always done or they do what their boss before them did or, you know, uh, or they'll pick up books and read random thoughts. Yeah. But um, it's not a collective, um, you know, understanding of how to lead. Yeah, no, again, I agree with you, uh, you know, and the listeners, they, they've heard me, uh, you know, quote this statistic a few times, but, and, and I really, really wish they would redo this study, but back in 2012, Pew Research uh, put out a piece that, that it was a global study, and there were a bunch of questions they asked, but there were two that this uh, particular article focused on, uh, and the title of the fo uh, article was, We Wait Too Long to Train Our Leaders, and at the root of it was, they, uh, the two questions that they focused on was, at what age were you promoted into your first leadership slash management position? And then at what age did you receive your first formal leadership slash management training? And what they found out was there was essentially, we'll just uh, round it out to a decade gap between getting promoted into the position to being trained on how to lead and manage people. And I know this sounds a little self-serving here, listeners, and I know some of you are in the same space too. And, you know, but those of you who aren't, I encourage you to reach out to folks like myself, Jeremy, some of the other folks I've had on this podcast, because you can't just let people go 10 years without some help. I mean, obviously you can, the, the uh, numbers told us that, uh, but you shouldn't because it creates a whole lot of issues that Jeremy just mentioned about people learning on the job. Uh, trial and error, and, and and hoping that they're learning from people who have a good base of leadership skills themselves. And again, that's just not always the case, is it, Jeremy? No, absolutely. And it's just important. Uh, but again, if you've if you've listened to what we're talking about today, uh, it's number one. It's in a mindset. You have to change the mindset of oh my goodness, I am responsible for getting people up the mountain. I'm responsible for helping. Again, if it could be if you're a listener and you don't lead anyone, it could be your family, your kids. Yes. I have three kids, and um, so I'm an empty nester now, but I'm still I'm learning, and I'm having to really learn how to be a dad to 20-year-olds. I've got three 20-year-olds, uh, 24, 22, and 20. 
and I'm learning how to do that, but I'm still very intentional with them. So they all have businesses and I'm helping them um, start their businesses. Two of them are in college still. And, but my, my functional intentional self is like, I'm still responsible to bring high support and high challenge. I just have to learn how to do it differently than when they were in high school. So I've had to adjust now and I'm learning how to adjust. So I had a daughter uh, last night, you know, she, she stopped by, uh, uh, spent the night on our way back to school and we had a great talk by the fire. Hey, what, um, Kate, what do you need for me right now? What support do you need? Uh, you know, it was just a great conversation, but it's, it's basically the understanding of, uh, who am I talking to? What do they need? How do I bring high support and where's the challenge that they need to get them to the next level? And if you do that consistently with your kids or with your employees or any teammates or coworkers, even, um, it's amazing what happens. They look at you and I think consistency is underrated. People don't talk about it enough, but think about the most consistent people in your life. They're trustworthy. They have great reputations. Uh, you want them to be around you. So if you're listening and you want to be a responsible leader, then understanding how to handle high support and high challenge and do that really well, I think is really crucial. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, now we've talked about it here a few times, but, but uh, your company giant, Let's talk about that for uh, a little bit here. So what what is it that, that Giant does? Yeah, so we basically have, uh, we equip coaches and consultants around the world and we give them tools that they use um, to, to basically unlock leaders inside organizations and unlock employees. So we've created tools on coaching. We've created tools on um we call it Sherpa training. It's altitude training, really, which is basically teaching people how to actually lead people to the next level. And, and it's, a, it's a whole system of micro learning and visual tools. We've got about 70 tools that people learn. Uh, we also have the five voices, which is a personality uh, construct that is simple enough for a 13 year old to get. So it scales much easier than Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and DISC and all of those things. Okay. Uh, so all of the, everything we do is we basically certify um, coaches and consultants to, to implement tools inside companies. We also have another role called a catalyst, which is someone inside a company. If they want to adopt these rules, uh, then, then they can actually learn uh, and be certified um, in, in a little different way than the coaches and consultants would be but they can actually uh, bring these tools inside the companies and it's really inexpensive and it really works. And so we, we work with uh, companies as large as Google and Pfizer and Biogen and you know, those types of companies uh, to small uh, companies, but it's mainly through consultants um, or internal champions called Catalyst. Mm. No, I, that's uh, and and I've taken a look at the site, and I'll make sure the site gets in the show notes there. But uh, I, I like the way you know, just from the videos you have there, the way the platform looks, and and uh, it, it looks like a really nice program y'all have put together there, from what I can tell, and uh, I can see how it'd be extremely valuable for folks who are already coaches or are wanting to get into coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity. What advice do you have for anybody listening who is kind of on that um, 
on that brink, like they're they're considering a coaching career, uh, but they haven't fully committed to it yet. What would you say their their first steps or any advice would be? Well, so you know, there's a lot of people who there's a lot of coaches out there, and um, we work with about. 800 uh, probably at this point we have 800 people who are in our kind of world who use our tools in their in their practices and um, the idea is that you you have to be for people and you have to be um, good people (laughs) I mean what do you have that to offer that can really really provide uh, wisdom to other people so is it experience and the ability to listen and the ability to uh, apply and the ability uh, to get because a, a coach really is like a Sherpa. They really are. They play the same role. I'm like, they're, hey, I've been here. I've done this. Uh, let me save you time. Let me save you money. Let me, let me take some of your headaches away. And so intent has to be a really strong component of a, of a coach and a consultant. Uh, but then, you know, you've got to be someone that people would want to bring in to your team because there's just not much time. There's, you know, a finite uh, amount of money that they'll invest in those things. But those people who've experienced great coaches and consultants, uh, they know the value that they bring. Uh, it's like an extra team members that you don't have to pay full time. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's good advice there. And I, again, I love the way you laid that out there. And I, I really do love this, this Sherpa analogy that, that you have consistently running through here because, um, I mean, it's just, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, I've checked out a bunch of the videos that you got out there on YouTube and I'll probably link a few of them. But one of the things I love is, is you, you, you kind of really embrace the power of storytelling and you've got some really great stories uh to share like for instance you mentioned uh you know living in in uh russia for for a little while there and and i stumbled on one video if i understood right you were living above the armenian mafia mm-hmm. yep um it's true i lived above a mafia group and uh and they were eventually killed by azerbaijani mafia group and um so we were in a number. I was I was in a number of. Uh, there was a gun battle, a three day coup attempt. We had a uh, a drunk, you know, uh, mafia member do a Russian roulette and uh, pull the trigger on on one of our teammates. Um, we had uh, you know just crazy um, experiences. And when you're around that, was, this was the early '90s. You have to remember it was like the Wild West or Chicago in the '30s. And it was just uh, unruly, honestly. And so it was just an amazing experience as a 21-year-old, 22, 23, uh, for me that when I was there, and it really started my career. I got to see things in a completely different perspective, going from uh, a farm in Oklahoma, going to college, and then moving to Russia and being in that environment. It really uh, sped up my learning it gave me a whole new perspective and I didn't come away jaded. I probably came away just wiser, honestly. Yeah. I mean, no, those, those experiences are just, I mean, you never know what the thing that happens in your life is. It's really going to stick with you and, and, and teach you, you know, I'm 
certain that there are lessons that you learned from navigating that situation of living in and around that kind of environment that you use every day today, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, just, just the, the ability of, and, and honestly, understanding power and empowerment, um, that was a key component. It's probably the number one is that, uh, I watched a government overpower people trying to keep control. And I watched 70 years of over, uh, overpowering people and what it produced and it actually produced apathy. And I thought that's just so fascinating. So you, you basically, if leadership is influence and influence is power, you can empower or overpower. Um, and so the idea of empowering it, it is a key component. So that came, I mean, my, my base business of what I do now and what we do in Giant around the world, we're in 120 countries. Um, it all started from me experiencing uh, the Soviet Union's uh, uh, overpowering people and what it did with people. That just shaped the way that my philosophy on life and that that system doesn't work. It doesn't produce what they thought it would produce um, because it's very, very complicated and it, it, human nature takes hold and pride and ego and jealousy and all those, those negative uh, traits uh, enter into that system of communism. And it just doesn't produce the results. So there's got to be a better way. So I've, I went after empowerment, not overpowering. Yeah. No. And, and as, as I heard you tell that, that story, I was reminded, and I'm not sure if you've, uh, you familiar with Andy Andrews book, uh, how to kill 11. Oh, Mil- sure. Yeah. yeah. How do you kill 11 million people? Uh huh. I know Andy's a friend of mine. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love Andy's work. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and it's that, that, that concept there. Right. And, and again, for folks who haven't, like, I mean, the, the gist of it is, uh, you know, trust and, and, and well, trust and lying, right? You kill a, for those who aren't aware the book essentially, and feel free to fill in any gaps here since you're, you're friends with him. Um, but he tells a story. He was watching some uh, World War II movies uh, with his family, and he noticed that, you know, they would have like this train full of, of Jews getting ready to be sent off to the concentration camps, but there would only be like a handful of guards controlling all of these people. And he thought that that was maybe just something that they did for Hollywood effect or whatever, but he started doing research into, uh, into it. And yeah, you know, they would have, you know, finding historical pictures of these events. Yeah. There'd only be a handful of, of, of Nazi soldiers controlling thousands, hundreds to thousands of Jews getting onto the trains. And he asked himself, how, how do all these people capitulate to just this handful of folks? And the answer was they trusted them to an extent. And, and the Nazis were lying to them, saying they were taking them to safer, better places where they'd be taken care of. And so they bought in and they became a willing participant in their own destruction. And I think that's a lot of kind of what you were talking about there with, with that power and, and manipulation, right, is it's very mm-hmm. dangerous in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. And so I'm when we're talking about responsible leaders and responsible leadership is basically fighting for the highest possible good of people. So fighting is actually a great thing in, in certain cases, fighting for the highest possible good. Uh, but you have to be for the highest possible good. I want the highest possible good, so I'm going to make sure that that happens. 
And uh, that's a key component for leaders. And when people know that you're fighting for them and want the best for them, then they will fight for you. They'll, they'll work with you. They'll move mountains with you. And that's not, that's not Nirvana. That's not Pollyanna. That's it's real. Actually, I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, I have a team full of that right now. I don't know. For years, we've had one of the healthiest teams I've ever experienced. And, you know, we have to practice what we preach. I, I remember I bought uh, uh, a, a thought leaders businesses uh, way back in the day and the businesses were always a mess. I'm like, how is this? This is the world renowned leadership. And why, why were their companies always in dysfunction? And so the idea is like, uh, you have to practice what you preach. And um, so it can be done. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing, doing Earl, just bringing the concepts of responsible leadership and, and you know, encouraging people uh, on, a, on a different way to lead. Yeah, well, no, and I, I appreciate it, and especially coming from you, because, you know, I mentioned these in, in the bio, and we've talked about, you know, some of these things a little bit throughout this entire interview, but, you know, your, your books, uh, The 100X Leader, Five Voices, Five Gears, and uh, Making Your Leadership Come Alive, uh, those are those are great books that, uh, you know, that, that folks really need to have in their arsenal, and, uh, you know, I like The Five Voices. I'm always... I'm, I'm very intrigued by kind of like the neuroscience and the personality profiles. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Enneagrams and, and mm-hmm. uh, Myers-Briggs and, and those sorts of things. Uh, so Five Voices was was very interesting to kind of learn about. And, and uh, I got to kind of brush up on it a little bit more because it sounds very interesting to me. But, yeah, no, thank you very much. And, and folks, go check out those books. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of value yeah, and in you- all of those. Go ahead. If you like the mafia stories, uh, then those are in the Making Your Leadership Come Alive. And so that book uh, was a national bestseller. It's uh, people like the, the stories. I have a client assassinated. Uh, I share all types of interesting concepts around uh, power and influence. And so if you're intrigued by that, then that would be uh, the one to go to. Um, and then Five Voices is more focused on uh, understanding you, knowing your wiring, and it takes uh, what where Myers Briggs came from, Jungian typology. It makes it so much simpler, and it makes it able to scale. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, those things are, are are great, and and that's one of the things that uh, you know we talk a lot about here. Like you, again, I, I, we don't have time at this point to really dive deep into it, but you know, with with those personality profiles, especially like Myers Briggs, is. I think people fail to understand how easily influenced those outcomes can be uh, through through priming and framing and some of these other neuro issues that we deal with on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, so I, I really want to dive deeper into five voices and see, you know, kind of how that uh, accounts for, you know, some of those some of those types of neurodiversity type uh, type issues. So uh, you, you've really intrigued me on that one. Uh, well, and if you're interested, uh, for those who, who want to go and would want to take their own assessment, uh, we have a free assessment. It's the Five Voices Assessment. You can go to uh, giantcoach.com slash responsible leader. And so giantcoach.com slash responsible leader. You can go there and take the Five Voices Assessment. You can uh, see how and what certification looks like if you ever wanted to do coaching uh, part-time or if, if you're already coaching and doing it full-time, how you can add uh, giant into your uh, ecosystem very at a very low cost. 
Love it. Love it. And, and I appreciate that. And listeners, we'll have that link in the show notes so you can just get there. Uh, Jeremy, and we've been chatting here for a little over 40 minutes. And, and I don't know about you, but I've, I've had a blast. I've really enjoyed everything you've had to share. So um, I really appreciate your, your time. Um, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you really want to leave listeners with? No, I think the idea is for anyone listening is like you have an opportunity uh, to be intentional or accidental. Uh, intentional living is always better. It's much harder because you have to think proactively about things. But if you want to have a legacy or want to make an impact or if you truly want to be an influencer, then being intentional means that you are proactively thinking ahead for the people in your life, helping them figure out where do they want to go? How do you help them get there? And then if you fight for their highest possible good, then your reputation will be off the charts because people will want you to be in their life. So it's just an important uh, part. If you want to be someone that people want to follow, then being intentional is a key component. Mm, well said, well said. Um, beyond the, the landing page we just mentioned a second ago, um, if people want to find out more specifically about you, get copies of the books, all that, is, is there uh, some other places you'd like to point them or w- does that cover it all? Yeah, when, uh, you can go to my own site. It's hard to spell, jeremykubachuk.com, right? My parents didn't help, uh, but it's J-E-R-E-M-I-E-K-U-B-I-C-E-K. So jeremykubachuk.com gives you uh, information on uh, my speaking, a little bit more of a stories and on the books. Uh, and then uh, obviously if you go to the link I mentioned, that takes you to the platform and you'll get tons of resources there if you like. Fantastic, fantastic. All right. Well, Jeremy, again, thank you very much for being with me and my listeners. And I really appreciate uh, you having this conversation with me today. Thank you, Earl. Wish you all the best. Cheers. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.
Electric Ad.